combination of both effort and effortlessness. When you want to catch a train, you have to make an effort to get into the train. But once you are in the train, you have to put down your luggage and relax. No point in running inside the train. It doesn't get you any faster. Well, you are in for a treat today, my friends. Today we've got a very special guest and episode for you. But before we kick it off, I want to invite you to follow me on Instagram. I post all sorts of fun and sometimes even inspiring hijinks there, including live streams of every episode of this show, product reviews and demos, along with a steady supply of super dank memes, which is probably what's gotten me shadow banned a few times. Oh, well, worth it. You can find me there at Luke Story. So I look forward to seeing you there on the old Insta, and I do my best to interact with listeners and keep up with questions to the best of my ability. Sometimes it's just a thumbs up. Sometimes I actually have a moment and I can interact. You guys get to know me on this show. The only way I can get to know you is through social media or at a live event. So again, please follow me on Instagram at Luke's Story. Okay, without further ado, drum roll, please. Today's guest, Guru Dev Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, is a globally revered spiritual and humanitarian leader. This gentleman has spearheaded an unprecedented worldwide movement for a stress-free, violence-free society. Through a myriad of programs and teachings, a network of organizations including the Art of Living and the International Association for Human Values, and a rapidly growing presence across 156 countries, Gurudev has reached an estimated 500 million people. Well, now a few thousand more, thanks to you listening. Gurudev has developed unique, impactful programs that empower, equip, and transform individuals to tackle challenges at global, national, community, and individual levels. And me personally, I found him to be very humble and at the same time, very wise, which to me is a perfect combo. When you meet someone who's touted as a spiritual master uh, and they overcomplicate things and are hard to reach, you know, when you look them in the eyes, I find that to be a little disheartening. But with old Guru Dev here, man, we vibed. It was fun. And for those of you that want to dig a little deeper into this episode, you'll find show notes for this one at lukestory.com slash Guru Dev. That's G-U-R-U-D-E-V. Now, before we get into it, there is something you'll find very different about this episode. Due to his grueling schedule and worldwide demand, I only had about 40 minutes with the man. And if you listen often, you know that some of these conversations demand two to three hours to get it all in. So this one will give you a solid blast of knowledge and positive energy in a much shorter time. It might make up, in fact, for the time you spent listening to the three-plus-hour Kelly Brogan show I did recently. And despite the shorter interview here... I really wanted to deliver even more value for this one. So Gurudev was kind enough to offer a beautiful 20-minute guided meditation at the end of the interview. So you might want to pause at that moment and make sure you're situated somewhere comfortable and quiet. So not while driving, ideally, right? Here's a sneak peek of what we covered. Gurudev's childhood and discovering his spiritual gifts. Why so many holy men are from India. How suicide affects incarnation choosing our parents and when the soul enters the fetus, transcending the ego as opposed to killing it, good luck with that one, where ETs come from, the world as a projection of our interpretation, the phenomenon of the fallen guru and false prophets, the world as a projection of our interpretation, and spiritual bypass and playing happy versus processing trauma. 
And we also talk about plant medicines and psychedelics as spiritual tools. And his take on that was very interesting to say the least. So welcome to episode 420 of Mystic Speaks, reincarnation, past lives, and spiritual simplicity with Guru Dev. Enjoy the show and make sure to stick around for the meditation he presents at the end. It's awesome. Guru Dev, welcome to the Lifestylist Podcast. Thank you for having me. Happy yeah, it's such an yeah. honor to meet you. Now, I know we have a we have a brief period of time mm-hmm. uh, in which I have so many questions to ask you. So I'm going to try and cherry pick um, some okay. of my favorite ones. But I want to start with your early life. When did you get the sense that your dharmic path in life had to do with spirituality? You know, uh, spirituality was like uh, fish to water for me. So from the very beginning, from my childhood, I was deeply engrossed in it. Was this part of your family system or something that you no, just gravitated uh, toward? Yeah, but, but though my family was spiritual, but they were not uh, anything into it as much as uh, I had. In fact, they were trying to wean me away from it, my mother especially. Because she was a little scared that I might just renounce and go away. Right. You might wander off to the Himalayas and live in a cave and forget about your family. Yeah. I'm so curious, as I was telling you before we recorded, um, I've always been fascinated by the fact that so many enlightened beings and mystics in this time period over the past couple hundred years have come from India. You know, you have Maharaji, the Maharishi, mm. Muktananda, Ramana Maharshi, I mean, just on and on legitimate high consciousness beings. And yet you don't see a bunch of them coming from Italy or, or Africa or different places. I mean, maybe they're there and we don't know. Do you have any sense of why in, in this time period, so many you know, um, mystics have emerged from there? Yeah. Uh, see, maple trees are found in, in Canada. <laughs> you see that? <laughs> Or leaves you can get, not everywhere, in some places. Uh, so nature has its own, perhaps time and space has its own dimension, its own equations. But I say, I tell you, there have been saints also from um, Assisi, from Middle East, from Jerusalem, uh, from those areas. And there have been saints uh, in North America as well. If you walk around in Quebec and you find all the streets named after saints. So, uh, yes, the non-dual philosophy of uh, India is very unique and it has uh, its roots there, which is universal, that the thought that whole world is one family originated from, uh, from India, no doubt. And so it's a speciality there that people uh, are uh, more attuned to this philosophy and knowledge in light. And have you ever uh, explored why it seems that they're, so speaking of, you know, this lineage of, of mystics, they have been predominantly male. And I've always wondered, you know, just speaking of India specifically, you have Amma the Hugging Saint, you have Amma and Bhagavan. I'm sure there are others that I'm not aware of. Um, one spiritual teacher that I've studied quite a bit 
gave the opinion or belief that there are perhaps more males that reach higher states of consciousness. And I'm going to piss off some women here. This is not me, but is it, it has to do with the male nervous system being able to sort of withstand no, more power. No, 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 no. I don't, I disagree with that. Okay. You know, for the spirit, there is no male or female. In Got fact, it. each one of us is made up of both mother and father. Inside you, there is a male. Inside you, there is a female. The spirit is different from the physical appearance, body level. So, when you go to the subtler aspect of yourself, see, in breath, there is no male breath and female breath. You see, gender is limited to our body. And to some extent, it has its shadow on the mind too. But beyond that, the spirit is spirit or God uh, is beyond gender. Right. I, so, I've wondered that, um, that perhaps the females that have had spiritual knowledge and wisdom maybe haven't been as vocal about it or, or have been suppressed yeah, or not recognized, <laughs> maybe, right? There has been many female saints in India. Andal was South India, was one in the 12th century, and Meera was there. Uh, she was acknowledged by everyone. Even today, the songs of Meera is, is all over the place. So there has been saints. In Kashmir also, there was uh, the saint. So, yes. You know, it don't have to be saint for the whole population. They could, uh, they could be taking care of their family, their circumstance, their surroundings. You know, I see a saint uh, hiding in maybe every grandmother. Right, <laughs> right. You know, I've had experiences where I, I think generally people we we tend to put people on pedestals as like our teacher or savior. You know, and so there's these enlightened or exalted beings and we sometimes view them as having something that we don't possess, right? And then I've had experiences wherein I've met just a householder, regular person, and they seem enlightened to me, right? They, they figured it out. They, they found the key to, to joy and, yeah, yeah. and liberation. See, there and are, no one knows except yeah. one that can see, maybe. There are two roles. One is to realize oneself, to get, get enlightened. Another aspect is to able to convey that to uh, people, convey to millions. These are two different roles that one. When Raman Maharshi was alive, very few people knew about him. But then people who got the knowledge, wisdom from him, then they started sharing with everybody. Then it, you know, one comes to know about him. So. Uh, to finding the unconditional love within you is one aspect and the ability or the role to give that to everyone is a second thing. So being a teacher has its, or a master has its own uh, specific role. Got it. So not everybody need to be that. Right. Someone could be enlightened humbly and quietly and not necessarily have the same role as teaching or carrying teaching, that on. Yeah, Got okay. it. Uh, what's the deal with reincarnation? Um, I have had the sense in, in numerous mystical experiences in my life that I've been here many, many times before on this path of seeking God. What is your perspective or the, or the Vedic perspective on reincarnation? Oh, yeah, it is there. I know. I know. I've been here before. <laughs> and Reincarnation... Uh, today you can't deny it. Even science has recognized that. 
you have um, past life regression therapy as one of the therapies in many, you know, psychological uh, labs and clinics, they use it. And parapsychology has become part of, uh, um, you know, research institutes around the world. It is there, yeah. And like the thoughts and emotions, your desires and fears, anxieties, they go with you. You know, those impressions go with your spirit and, and you come right back when the opportunity is there to release them. Do you think that our individual soul that keeps coming back and reincarnating in different bodies with different circumstances, do you have the sense or anything that that soul has evolved through different, like a hierarchy of species, you know, starting from a, you know, a, a bacteria to fungus to <laughs> shellfish to gopher to deer to human, yeah, you know, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there any truth to that? Or, or do you think you, that there's just different planes of souls and we're in the human soul plane? No, it, the, there is a progression from one life to another life. Yes. One form of, um, one species to another species. Yes. And do you know how long in between generally human incarnations we exist in the non-physical? In between lives, yeah. you mean? How, how long we hang out there? Yeah, so when I drop this body, <laughs> how long does am I going to hang out in the etheric uh, realm before uh, I pop back in? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's uh, there is no criteria. You know, there is no exact, you cannot say that exactly you will come after six months, one year, two years. It's Totally variable. Right. You can come maybe in, in 10 days' time or you may not come for 1,000 years. As someone who spends so much time, energy, and money to be healthy, I want to keep track of what's working and what's not. That's why I'm really into this company I found called Inside Tracker. They are an ultra-personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. Through their app and testing protocol, I'm able to get a clear picture of what my body looks like on the inside. And I also get a clear measure of whether my diet, supplement, and exercise choices are helping or even hurting. I did the whole inside tracker deal recently and was actually shocked to find that I was less than perfect in some areas. My cholesterol and B vitamins were high, for example, and a few other things that need a little tweaking. There was, of course, also some good news as my overall health score was that of a much younger person and certainly more optimized than your average American. And that's the point. The whole goal with Inside Tracker is to be optimized, not normal. So they don't merely show you the normal biomarker zones. They show you the optimal biomarker zones and numbers that are best for your individual body. So if you want to check this out, I highly recommend you sign up for Inside Tracker now. You're going to get your testing done, the results of your biomarkers, and then some incredible lifestyle and diet recommendations from their brainiac scientists to help you improve everything you find. Just go to insidetracker.com slash Luke, where you will save 25% off your entire order. That's insidetracker.com slash Luke. Mm-hmm. 
I've literally never met anyone in my life who doesn't like a little sex from time to time. In fact, some folks like it a lot of the time. The thing is that for men, their physical readiness is an important part of making this happen. Remember the last time you were at the gas station and you saw on the counter those horribly branded erection pills? Did you ever take a second to see what's actually in those products? They are terrible for you, just super toxic. And the same goes for most of the medication on the market that claims to help men in the bed, but who wants a four-hour erection, nasty side effects, heart problems, and a possible trip to the hospital to get rid of that thing? Well, luckily for me and maybe some of the men listening, I recently found this really cool product called Joy Mode that fills this gap. It's a performance booster, much like a pre-workout, but for sex. It's really cool. Joy Mode's gig is that they make natural and science-backed sexual wellness supplements for men. Their sexual performance booster is designed to support erection quality and firmness and sex drive. It contains clinically supported doses of L-citrulline, arginine, yohimbine, and vitamin C. To get yourself primed with the old joy mode, all you do is tear open the sachet and mix it with a glass of water, just like your favorite electrolytes. And uh, about 45 minutes later, it's going to be magic time. You'll notice better blood flow, better erection quality and firmness, and increased sexual energy and drive. I've actually taken this product myself many times, and uh, frankly, I was shocked that it actually worked and provided zero side effects. Do you gentlemen want to spice things up in the bedroom and boost your sexual performance? And do you want to do it naturally without those nasty prescription drugs? Well, we've got a special offer for lifestylist listeners right here. Go to usejoymode.com slash Luke and enter the code Luke at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's usejoymode.com slash Luke. And I've heard some teachers indicate that uh, it's at around the 90-day point at which a soul enters the embryo or the fetus? There are three uh, possibilities. One is at the time of conception. The second is when the, the embryo is formed very well at that time. That's about um, fourth month or fifth month time. And then the third is sometimes even at the time of birth. Really? Mm. Just you, before the birth. Wow. It, it, do you think it's possible that uh, one soul could embody an embryo and then change its mind in a sense and someone new someone comes in? Yes. Really? That this information, so I'm, you know, I'm asking you these questions that are obviously age old, just questions that humanity has yearned to have answers for. Do the answers that you uh, arrive at come from within, from meditation or text or teachings absolutely. that you've read? Or? Absolutely. From, they just, we just, you know, any intuitive knowledge that we all have, are, we are just downloading them. You see, our brain just downloads those information. And then, whether it is uh, authentic or not, that scriptures are there to, to look into that. Because then, you know, sometimes your own imagination, you can be in your own imagination, in a trip of what we call it, yoga maya. It's an illusion of yoga. You can have your own um, imaginations sneak into it. To avoid that, you also have to look into the um, 
tested documents from from long time. Yeah, because one could have an attachment to the outcome that they desire, right? <laughs> I'm just going to. Oh, my intuition is telling me, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. or that, right? It needs authentication. That that comes from the scriptures. Got it. Where I've arrived in my understanding and how I make sense of life is that I have the sense that I incarnated here as sort of a spiritual school, this earth school, with the opportunity to undo what could be best described, I guess, as negative karma and to earn positive karma and to evolve as the soul. No, no, no. Don't take it all too seriously. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You have come here to play a role. Okay. Have fun. Okay. It can't can't be that simple. No. Yeah, you have come here to celebrate life. You're not come here to do something very hard and, you know, go somewhere. It's like a playground. Life is like a play, you know. It's a stage wherein you go, you take a role and you play the role, you play it well and you come back. Well, in this play, it seems to be um, inherent with so much suffering for so many people. Are these people that have not yet realized that it is a play and that it is a game? Yes, and... yes, yes. You forgot <laughs> it's a play. And that's and, the root of the suffering? And this is the first realization one gets when one leaves the body. Hey, come on, I was in the game there. You know? If you even if you watch a soccer game, and you know the the people who feel they are losing, they are so stressed out there. Correct. Their their aim is to get the goal, um, to to win the game, and many times they find themselves in a space that um, that looks as though it's a matter of life and death for them. Yeah, especially my British friends. <laughs> very much that way. You know, you see them with this scowl on their face. Man, what's wrong? Did somebody die? No, my team lost. Manchester lost or whatever. You know, who cares, you know? Yeah. But yeah. But we all, you know, I think can at times take ourselves too seriously, too seriously. And, and and forget that it is a game. Because we have no context to life. We should have a broader context. Now you're talking about bigger context. Yeah, we have come here many times and um, we will continue coming here. Oh, this is a so this awareness itself is not there, you know. And we don't even look back at our own life experiences, which one gives us more confidence to move forward. See, if you're worried, then you don't look back and say, Hey, I was worrying like this ten years back, five years back. And I'm still alive, I'm okay, everything I'm doing well, why do I worry again? This um, this thought doesn't get kindled in one because we don't look back. It's it's so interesting to see life from um a limited perspective and at the same time see it from a broad perspective with a bigger context. Is there a level of consciousness um, at which a soul doesn't find it necessary to reincarnate into the human experience again? Is there an ascension ladder of sorts where you kind of get to a point where there's no need to be here anymore? Yeah, once you're free, 
you are not compelled to come back. But if you wish, you can come back. Do you think some souls come back solely to be of service oh, and yeah. carry the good, right the good word? Right one sitting here. With <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we come here to do something. Okay, we want to do this, this, this. But like we come. So you do all of this incredible humanitarian work in the world. I mean, you're on this, your uh, team was telling me about your touring schedule. It's, it sounds quite grueling. You're going to all these cities, doing all these talks, other interviews, I'm presuming. Um, and you're you're doing much good in the world. Yet, you know, like I, I'm always, I like to do good in the world as well, right? But then I go back to the I think it was um, Ramana Maharshi who said, you know, the world you see doesn't even exist, right? So I see these problems in the world and I want to go stop wars and fix these problems. Yet the world that I see is largely based on my perception of it. It's a projection of what I think it is and should be. And I'm always trying to reconcile kind of doing good in the world and yet knowing that the world is how it should be and it's up to God. Yeah, that keeps you sane. <laughs> <laughs> If you get so entrenched in it, then you can't smile even, you know. You'll, you you get into that maya, that illusion. But when you know the truth, then nothing um, stops you, nothing bothers you. You know, you are just in your element and you're not making an effort to show your compassion or love. You are that, so you can't but express it. See, it's in your nature. So it's not so much... You know, fighting against evil, it's and not doing fighting something. poverty, mm -hmm. fighting suffering, uh -huh. kind of, it's a different energy. No, it's a different, it's a com from completely different space. With, um, you are just there and let things happen. Would you say that your approach then is spiritually is more about just acknowledging what's already present rather than striving after some spiritual goal? Yeah, absolutely. There are different levels, you know. When uh, for a beginner, they should have a goal. They should get into this path. Once you're on the path, you have to relax. Like you know, when you want to catch a train, you have to make an effort to get into the train. But once you are in the train, you have to put down your luggage and relax. No point in running inside the train. <laughs> it doesn't get you any faster. That's good. That's good. So, till the plane takes off, you have to get to the plane. I mean, uh, you have till you catch the flight. You have to make your effort. So, life is a combination of both effort and effortlessness. At some point, you have to make effort. As you said, you know, you came out of the drug. Yeah. If you say, let let, it, let things happen how it is. And you know, it can destroy your body. At some point, you said, no, I don't want drugs, but I want something higher. But why do, in the first place, I go to drugs? Because I'm not just satisfied with what I get through the five senses. Because my soul's hunger is to see something beyond the five senses. Not seeing, touching, smelling. This is not enough. Yeah, it gives some pleasure, but you're not satisfied by that. In using drugs as an escape in that, in uh, that way. Drugs, you want, you are looking for some higher um, states of consciousness or elevation of mind. Yeah. Or the spirit. When you can get that just by meditation with you using your own breath and by 
as you said, Shaktipat or um, transfer of energy, why would you go for something which would cause harm to you? Well, I think in my case, there was just a lot of unresolved trauma. Unresolved trauma. Right? That is like I needed anesthesia, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I was also curious about is uh, in different cultures around the world and on continents like Africa and, and South America, historically, uh, native and indigenous people have used plant medicines, um, you know, ayahuasca, mushrooms, different uh, hallucinogenic, psychedelic uh, things in order to, um, you know, heal their their traumas and to connect with spirit. And yet it seems, according to, to my research, that this has not been uh, largely part of the culture in Indian spirituality. And uh, subjectively in my life, Although I meditated for many years and and was very devoted spiritually, there were certain traumas and things that I couldn't seem to overcome mm. until I found those medicines, and they've been, you know, incredibly transformative and mm. healing for me. I'm mm. curious your perspective mm. on the not using drugs recreationally, but the intentional ceremonial use of substances of that nature. Uh, see, um, when there is a much easier way to alter our chemistry within us just by your breathing and some other practices you don't need to depend on substances which are out there yes in the yoga shastra it is said um, some herbs do elevate you give you calm and uh, composture in the mind but you know you have to also see what impact it has on our physiology later on you know, if we are so dependent on on the medicines or drugs outside, it can um, make you more dependent on something. Otherwise, you can't even get into this state. You know, here you want freedom from everything, or from all dependence. See, that is where uh, you prefer to just get into meditation deeper, and. No need to escape. Why you want to escape? You want, um, you know, this is painful. Some thoughts, some experiences of the past are painful. Now, instead of trying to escape that uh, sensation, you observe, go through it, you will see they just disappear. This is what we do in the silence retreats. I often do silence retreats all over the world. The people come with all type of trauma, even from this war, you see, uh, after the war veterans and people who want to commit suicide, they all come, they just, that full five days of silence, complete relief from traumas. And they go back happily. You know? Yeah, I guess that's, um, you know, part of that. Say someone's had a lot of trauma or suffering and they find spirituality as a solution, there is, is there not a risk of like spiritual bypass, right? Of just, everything's great. I'm happy. Be happy. Be kind. Be compassionate. Yet there's this whole suitcase of stuff that you're lugging around kind of in your subconscious that hasn't been addressed. No. You, you know, then that doesn't last too long. This is mood making when you go to some party and um, just sing some being a rock music and say, oh, yeah, I felt very good. <laughs> you go for some counseling and you feel um, there is a temporary wellness that comes on to you. That's not enough. You have to go deep in 
meditation and cleanse all those karma, remove all those impressions. And that's what the meditation silence program does. So when you're taking these multiple days of, of silence and deep inner meditation, it then just, it's creating space. Yeah. It creates space and yeah. relieves you of all those uh, baggage you, you are mentioning about. Just gets you rid of that. And when you um, talk about and recommend meditation, is there a particular style? I know I've done Vedic yeah. meditation for a long time. Or what type of meditation do you teach? Or there are a number of uh, meditations we teach. You know, basic thing is Sudarshan Kriya, the sky breathing technique. With that, then we have such samadhi meditation, and has um, given number of different types of meditation, which suits many different uh, mindsets. So in, in deeply meditative um, experiences, I've observed myself uh, as the witness observer of the phenomenon of me as a personality, as a persona. You know, you were able to kind of dissociate from the mind and the ego part of yourself. And then beyond that, there seems to be this interdimensional quantum realm that is there and accessible through those practices. Yeah. Uh, in that realm, at times, I've experienced um, the presence of other beings. Do you think that there are, I don't want to call them aliens, but have you experienced uh, interdimensional entities yes, and beings? Yes, there are, you know, there are devas. There are several levels of um, beings that are out there, but they're all part of our own consciousness. So, you don't feel separate from them when you really know them. So, it's all uh, like there is Vibhgaya, you know, um, seven colors in the sun rays. Like that, in the universal consciousness, there are many flavors. And so, these are called the divine impulses of our own um, Consciousness. Yeah. And it's a very, very fascinating, interesting phenomenon. Spiritual realm is not a dull, boring, stagnant state where you just sit and become empty and then go along with your life. You know, it's a journey which tickles you and uh, uprises, you know. Um, completely new dimension to our life. So it makes your life here very rich in the sense there is abundance in, you know, in all those values that you, you cherish. See, there is compassion, there is friendliness, there is love. And uh, you don't feel any sense of lack at all or loneliness. And that, that's why I said, there's the first step you take. One, one more thing I would like to say is this spirituality is like an ocean. It's up to you or what you want to pick up from that. You can just go for a stroll on the beach. You can go for scuba diving. You can go <laughs> take oil out of it. Like that. <laughs> the, the, that's funny. It is unlimited. The possibilities are unlimited. But uh, I feel life begins with 
this this opening before that one simply exists you know taking care of some small things around but when the opening happens that's when the life begins um, because you are in you are access to many dimensions Over the years, we've seen a tidal wave of CBD products, and I've tried a ton of them. Apart from a couple, unfortunately, most have disappointed. Wah, wah. Then I found this company called Ned. Ned products are chock full of premium CBD and a full spectrum of active cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, and trichomes. Ned's hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system, which supports stress, sleep, and even inflammation. And unlike much of the shady CBD on the market that's extracted with nasty chemicals, Ned CBD is cold extracted from the world's purest USDA certified organic hemp grown in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. And I'll tell you, the organic bit here is critical with CBD, not only for us, but for the planet. These dudes at Ned go all out to ensure the end product is of the highest vibe possible. For example, they even play sound frequencies to the plants, which I love. Once I heard that, I was sold. But then again, I'm kind of out there. I like to add a dropper full of their oil to my morning coffee to balance out the stimulant effect. It's actually a really great combo. I also love a dose before my afternoon meditation. Now, when it comes to nighttime use, I'm really into their sleep blend oil and mellow magnesium super blend. They added powerful sleep herbs and nutrients like lemon balm, L-theanine, passionflower, skullcap, and GABA. Either by itself supports sleep amazingly, but together it's a real knockout punch. So Ned's been hooking up my sleep productivity and ability to stay calm in the storm of life throughout the day. Become the best version of yourself and get 15% off Ned products with code Luke. Just go to helloned.com and enter the code Luke at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash Luke to get 15% off. Thank you so much to Ned for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Here's a hot winter tip for you. It's called Organifi Gold. If you've ever had a golden latte, you know how bomb this type of herbal elixir tastes and feels. I've been on this stuff for years and have no plans of stopping anytime soon. It's got nine superfoods like turmeric, ginger, reishi mushrooms, and tons of other great stuff that support rest, relaxation, recovery, and repair. I blend mine up with warm water and either ghee or coconut oil. It's also low sugar, organic, and super calming when you need to get your chill on. It's like a warm dessert, except it's actually really good for you. Organifi Gold is, of course, completely organic. It's also gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, and of course, thank God, non-GMO. So if you're looking for an alternative to sweets and coffee late in the day or at night, Organifi Gold is the ticket. You can get your gold over at Organifi.com slash lifestylist. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi with an I. Organifi.com slash lifestylist. And they are going to give you 20% off anything in the store if you use the code lifestylist. Again, that's Organifi.com slash lifestylist. And the code is lifestylist. In terms of the different... The menu options one has when in spiritual pursuit 
for someone who has identified as their calling self-realization and enlightenment what is the path toward that first and foremost is um, the get rid of stress stress and tension anxiety depression you must be away from these things and aggressive mindset that also is not suitable at all so to get out of all this we have to know about our own breath our own body you know we have seven layers to our existence body breath mind intellect memory ego and then the self self is the seventh one to realize self we need to Uh, get an idea about all these other aspects of us and with this then it's by by grace that uh, you are open to a new dimension so you do your effort but then you know what comes to you comes to you it depends on <laughs> right so yeah it it really is as you indicated earlier it's it's kind of that um that balance of striving and allowing right there's a certain intention and maybe even actions yeah. one must take otherwise someone used to say it like this to me they said you know you can sit in the closet all day long um and you know pray to god to put hot dogs through the keyhole to <laughs> at some point you got to open the door if you want to eat you know <laughs> something like that i probably botched it yeah, but yeah see Now this window is there. You can keep the curtains on, and even when the sun is there, you will find it dark inside. You know. But if you open the window in the night and say, "Don't no sun there," no sun is going to come, and it's going to come. But you have to keep the window open, right? Uh, in the same way, here there is certain amount of self-effort that is needed, and after that, it's only patience. You wait, and then. Whatever you uh, you had to get, you'll get it. Yeah, okay? I think it's kind of <laughs> inherent to Western culture to push and strive and work, and and when that's applied to spirituality, it ends up being counterproductive in some way, right? Like, I'm going to get enlightened today. You know, it's like maybe it's maybe it's about you know putting in appropriate <laughs> effort and then leaving the results then, to God, right? right? Yeah. It's like and then let go. Yeah. Uh, what's your take on See, in love, uh, yeah. love is all about letting be and letting go. Not trying to pull and possess. Love is the trust, yes. You know, I am here. I want nothing. I do nothing. I am nothing. These principles... It's good enough for someone to rise to higher levels. Yeah. Uh, my next question: You alluded into the topic of love, and in romantic love, what's the spiritual approach to human sexuality? Of you know, just having sex versus making love, and the energetics of how we can most appropriately. You know, interact with with people on that level. See, the sex is a need of the body, and it stays from some age to some age. It doesn't continue with you forever, or it was not there before you were ten year old. See, 
But love is your very nature. That is nature of your spirit. And a small expression of love could be in the form of sex. So sex is neither bad nor it is good or, or it, no, it's not the ultimate everything and it's not bad either. So, but you see that there is an aspect in you which is much higher. That you feel that same joy, bliss. And without having to do an action. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That is Samadhi. That is uh, blissful meditation. I mean, uh, it's a very great subject and big subject if you go into it. I mean, we can keep talking uh, what Samadhi is. In fact, in the ancient uh, Rishi's words, uh, Samadhi is described in units of sex. You know, like one unit of sex is how much bliss you get. Samadhi is thousand such units. Really? Yeah. That's a thousand interesting. Sex. Sahasrarati means thousand uh, units of that uh, joy, the pleasure you get is what you get in a moment of Samadhi. So, mm, we have to see life from a very different perspective bigger perspective, then you see that uh, our body is a tiny part of our consciousness. Yet it's so easy to get consumed with the, uh -huh. the desires of the body, the needs of the body, yeah. the distraction. I mean, even in, in the industry that I'm in, um, you know, I have conversations around consciousness, but also around physical health and biohacking and all this stuff. And I've observed within myself how at times being so wrapped up in being physically healthy can be a distraction from actually just being present. No, no. You know? uh, but see, we, uh, we usually swing to the extremes. Either we ignore our body totally and mm -hmm. not care for it, or we are so caught up in it. I would say, go with the middle path. Body has its needs. Take care of body. Have good food. Have good rest. Exercise. All that is necessary for the body. That is not the end, you know. There is something more. And when you are sharing yourself with everybody, then, then the, the real unconditional love in life dawns, blossoms. Then all the small needs of uh, yours doesn't even matter to you. See? When you have a mission, when you have a vision, uh, then you see uh, tiny needs, uh, small things, just they go to the background. Yeah, I've heard so many stories about, um, again, back to some of these, the Indian saints and mystics, you know, about um, Yogananda and uh, Maharishi and these different characters wherein See, they would barely sleep or eat food, you know, <laughs> like they're living in a totally different kind of plane yeah, of reality. It's, you know, the body doesn't require much, you know, doesn't require much. But at the same time, I'm telling you, we should not ignore when see, Lord Mahavir, he just ate only few days in a year. But if it, someone tried to imitate that, they're harming their own system. Right. So, we have to be very 
natural. What, what's your sleeping schedule like? I'm curious. Three hours. Three hours a night? Mm-hmm. And you have energy to go on tour and do oh, all yeah, this? Yeah. Ah, see, you got something <laughs> figured out. All right. I'm going to listen back to this interview 10 times. <laughs> like, what was it? Because uh, I've I've noticed that with... Sometimes I get yeah. even two hours. You know? Really? And you still feel functional? Uh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And vital and all that. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible. It, do you think that for some of us that perhaps we're burning up energy taking life too seriously and that's why we need seven or eight hours? No, no, no. We don't need to. Just we, if the body needs that much, we should give it. And sometimes I do sleep for six hours, five hours, uh, once in a while. But, so just to make sure that I am not in any, uh, you know, I have the capacity to sleep longer too. Right. So you don't suffer from insomnia. You know, it doesn't <laughs> amount to that. So when you do pranayama, meditation, or you have something important to do, you know, then you get energy in from other sources. So meditation gives you so energy. I've heard it said that um, you know, twenty minutes of a deep meditation is equivalent to three hours sleep or you know, yeah, different equations five, like six that. Hours of sleep. Yeah. And do you find in your daily life now that you're still keeping up with your meditation practice? Is it regimented or just kind no, of No, no regimented. For me, walking, talking, sitting, talking, it's all meditation only. Right. Would you say then that Again, I don't want to frame it as a goal, but it seems to me that, um, as you said, getting on the plane, getting on the train, right? Doing some work to arrive there, but then at a certain point... I'm at home. I'm, <laughs> I don't. I have no way to go. I tell you. <laughs> right. So perhaps it's, you know, getting to, arriving at a place where your life is a prayer, your life is a meditation, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that perspective. You don't need to do anything. Right. But still I sit, you know, because then I have no right to tell others to meditate if I don't. Good point. So I do sit for meditation, though I may not, I need not have to do it. Good point. Okay. All right. All right. Listen, I got one last question for you. I know you got to go get on a plane and continue your, your tour of the United States here. Thank you for gracing us with your presence uh, in this country and on this podcast. My last question is, who are three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life that you could share with us? You know, I was... Um, <clears throat> I can't say it's that some particular person has influenced me totally or I changed, I transformed because from my childhood I had this, uh, you know, um, vision. But of course, I had association of many saints in in my teenage, especially. And my mother, of course, was, was very spiritual. She was very spiritual too. So I was, um, in my teenage, I spent time with Maharshi Mahesh and Anand Mahima. So like that, saints... You know, Maharshi Ji picked me up uh, when I was a student and because I knew Vedic literature, so he asked me to come. He used to ask me to chant and 
you know, go on Vedic science too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And he was conducting Vedan science conferences. So he used to ask me to participate in in those talks with the scientists. And because I was both a student of science and uh, Vedic literature. He was very interested. But I see, uh, you know, um, when you are awake, you can get lessons from everything. And it's more of unlearning than learning. Mm, Spiritual knowledge is not learning from something from somebody. It's more how you can learn to unlearn. (laughs) Dude, mic drop. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming by today. Lovely. That's a beautiful uh, ending note there. It's about unlearning folks not getting more but perhaps getting rid of the things that are no longer valid or true yeah not get stuck in the informations that you get become follow them there awesome okay thank you so much okay lovely well that brings the conversation portion of this episode to a close however as discussed in the intro Gurudev did offer an incredible 20-minute meditation, which he guides, and I thought that that would be a really neat gift for you to be able to experience his work in real time. So you might want to take a pause here for a moment, uh, find somewhere safe, comfortable, quiet, where you feel like you can drop in to the zone. And uh, if you're somewhere like that already, more power to you, I'm going to go ahead and introduce this meditation. And I'll be back next week with episode 421, the holistic OBGYN on conscious birth and death practices and traditions with Dr. Nathan Riley. And finally, thanks to our sponsors, Inside Tracker, Organifi, Joy Mode, and the newest member of the Lifestylist podcast family, Ned. These guys are true CBD masters. I love their stuff. I actually took some a couple hours ago before I started recording and I'm feeling hella relaxed. So thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next Tuesday. Eyes closed. Now, you don't need to listen to my instruction intentively. Just listen to it like you would listen to a music. Relaxed. And never mind even if you miss some instructions. You may Your mind may drift away. Never mind. It's okay to get drifted. Eyes closed. Body relaxed. Remember the weight of your body, whatever it is, 60 kilos or 130 pounds, 190 pounds, whatever is the weight of your body, just remember this. We came into this world weighing just seven pounds or eight pounds. Today we weigh 
130 pounds, 150 pounds. Place the weight of your body on the chair you are sitting. Rather, just pay attention, the chair you are sitting is carrying the weight of your body. This point, at this point, recollect your age, whatever it is, 50, 60, 70, those many years are past. And another 30, 40, 50 years, we will continue in the body and then it gets back to the nature, to the earth. Our body has billions and trillions of cells. Let us honor our own body. It's the most precious gift to us from nature, from God. Let's honor our own body. Let's take our attention to the top of the head. And relax your head. And relax your forehead and eyebrows and eyes. And take your attention through your whole body like a viscous fluid, like a honey slowly coming to the back of the head. Relax the brain and your ears. Cheeks. And gently come down to your chin and throat. Bring your attention down to your chest and shoulders. Take your time. Let's keep a big smile on our face and allow the smile to percolate through the whole body. And your shoulders and hands, palms, the thorax region, relax, your hips and legs, 
honor your own body. Is the most amazing and beautiful gift to us. Let us honor our own body. Let's move on to the second dimension, the breath. It's the breath that is keeping this body alive. From the time we came into this planet till our departure, our dear friend, companion is our breath. Let's take a deep breath in and breathe out. Another deep breath in and slowly let go. Like fish in the water, we are in air. Become aware of the air all around the body and inside. And continue to take long, deep breaths. Incoming breath energizes the body while outgoing breath brings relaxation. Let's become familiar with this phenomenon. It's happening all the time. The breath energizes every cell of our body and it relaxes too. Let's take five long deep breaths and slowly breathe them out. Feeling the relaxation with every exhalation.
let's move on to the third dimension of our mind. Our body is like the wick of a candle. Our mind is like the glow all around it. Our body is inside the mind. As you relax, the mind expands and vice versa. As you become aware of vastness, your body finds relaxation. Another deep breath in with a smile. Hold the breath and let go. Whatever thoughts are coming in the mind, just let them come. Good thoughts, bad thoughts. They come and they go on their own. Let them come. Embrace all the thoughts. Another deep breath in and let go. Let's become aware of the walls of this hall. Become aware of the ceiling and the volume of this entire hall. Let's relax our body. Give your hands free. Let go of all your efforts.
Let go of all your efforts. This moment, there's nothing to do and nothing to know either. Let your mind expand more and more. Become aware of the vast sky. And let go of all your efforts. Repose in yourself with a smile. Let go of all your efforts. Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. You are peace. You are peace. You are. Ooh.
Slowly and gradually become aware of your body and surroundings. And you may hope gently open your eyes. Take your time. 